Morning, everyone. You might have guessed my name's Keith. Um, <laughs> you might have picked that up. Uh, one of the leaders here. Um, so I, um, I came up from uh, Chichester this morning because um, my, my son and daughter-in-law and grandkids are down there. And uh, on the way up, there was a sign on the motorway um, that said, um, free rescue. And it said, sorry, is it free recovery, actually? So it says, free recovery, wait for rescue. And, um, you know, we don't want to wait, do we? There's free recovery is available, but um, actually we're impatient. We don't really want to wait for it. So, but what I want to set out today is to um, show you a bit of some of that recovery that happened. Um, last time I, I uh, preached here a few weeks ago, I, I talked about the, um, the first part of Genesis, I won't ask you to put your hands up to who remembers it, all right? Because every time I do that, it's very embarrassing and, uh, and that nobody can remember it. But, um, but I spoke about the first part of Genesis and I called it sort of um, chaos into order because that's what God did when he, you know, when he created the world. And uh, I thought, well, I'll carry on from that with that theme, but actually it's a bit, a bit in reverse because it's actually order into chaos. But... Um, in, and which is the next few few chapters in, in Genesis. So we're going to sort of unpack that a bit. But but I thought it's a bit like a bit like the Hobbit, isn't it? Have you ever seen the Hobbit, the, or read the book? Anyone done both? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Good. good. Well, some have. That's good. Not just the, not just the films. Well done. It's always good to read the books. Some of the few, that in the middle of the rings is one of the few books that where the film sort of reflected what I thought it was in the book. Um, Anyway, the, the subtitle of that is um, There and Back Again. And I, you know, I think God's in this journey that we're going to go on today. It's about going there and back again. So although sort of chaos came out of order, um, actually there's a route back. And I want to sort of focus on that route back. Because this is part of the series we've done about um, uh, Jesus in the Old Testament. So it's looking at Jesus through Old Testament eyes. And we're going to see glimpses of him as he, as he sort of um, uh, prepares for those things that are, that are going to happen a bit later on. Can you turn with me if you have a Bible? I would encourage you to bring, bring your Bibles to church. Yeah, it's, they're good things. There's some interesting stuff in it that you, that you might find helpful. Um, it's always good to bring your, your Bible to church. But um, I want to start with, um, with actually in Genesis chapter 2. Because there's a couple of things that happen there. And there's a few verses which will come up on the screen if you've forgotten your Bible. I'll be generous. No, if you forgot them, that's fine. Um, and I just want to read a couple of passages from chapter 2. It says, The Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. In the middle of the garden were the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The Lord, and then it says, the Lord God, a bit further on, says, Lord, in, in verse 15, it says, and the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. Yeah, he had a job to do, job to do, as he was a steward. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, you will surely die. And my immediate reaction to that was, 
Well, that was a stupid thing to do, wasn't it? Put a tree that, that was going to kill him in it. But it was a tree of life and the tree of death. But I think, I think there's, there's lots of, uh, of, of reasons for this. I mean, are they to eat daily from the, from the tree of life? They were free to eat from the tree of life. And we are, you know, we are meant to be, we are created to be free to eat from, from the tree of life. But he also put in the, um, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And I think there's a couple of really um, important reasons for that. One is it's grace. One is it's grace. That if we have the, we have the God that we, that we need and that we want... Yeah, because we don't want a God who is disinterested in our in our situation, who is who is remote. And lots of people believe that about God, that He is remote and He is disinterested in, in what we do and who we are. But equally we don't want a, a God who's controlling. You know, we don't want to be puppets to to some dictator. We don't want it to be like North Korea or somewhere like that, where you have to do these things. And, and, and the other thing is that it's, it's really important that, that love is a voluntary thing. And if love is a voluntary thing, and our love for God is a voluntary thing, then there have to be alternatives. There have to be choices that we, we can make. So it's absolutely a work of, of grace that if we want a God like this, there are going to be times where we have to make choices and we have to say, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. And, and, and it's not that God just says, you know, don't do that. It's that there's really valid reasons for not doing that because you will die. And the other important lesson I think that God's trying to give us is that there are boundaries. That boundaries are critical to this love experience that we have. There are the boundaries. Um, if you could imagine a cricket match without boundaries, it would be utterly pointless. Utterly, utterly pointless. You'd, you'd be running forever. It'd be like the Eaton Wall game or something like that. You know, it'd be chaotic. And these things put boundaries in. And boundaries of, of love and, and boundaries of... Um, of respect for other people, and there's a whole course. Well, there's another course we might do later on, I suppose. You know, on on, bound, on boundaries, and um, it, it, in the in that in that course that there is another course, and we're not we're not doing it actually at the minute. But there's three things. One is physical boundaries. One is physical boundaries, and physical boundaries. You know, for example, between countries, if you over, over override those, you get war. Um, physical boundaries in relationships. That's why the, you know, the marriage relationship and the, the sexual relationship before marriage is, is a boundary. It's a boundary that we, that, that we are, you know, we should keep. Otherwise it's a, it's a death thing <laughs> that happens. That's really important. The other ones are mental, mental boundaries. That mental in the sense of, you know, I am free to think and have my opinion. My opinion matters and counts. Now, you know, it's moderated by love, it should be, because I think, you know, there are opinions that, that aren't moderated by love, but my opinion counts, and, I'm, and I matter. I matter, and I matter to other people, and I matter to God. But equally, I respect other people's opinions. 
And it's not a question of, because I disagree with you, I hate you, which seems to be the prevalent thing nowadays. It's because I disagree with you, I love you, but let's disagree, and let's disagree openly. Um, the, the last one is emotional, you know, emotional boundaries that people have. You know, we, we need to be free, um, you know, in our, in our own sort of um, emotions, but equally, we need to be free from other people's emotions that are imposed on us. And so many of us are, you know, are prisoner because we haven't got those boundaries and said, that emotion from that other people is not going to manipulate me. It's not going to make me into a different sort of person. And I would say you know, that, that we need to be free from the boundaries and the emotions that other people set on us. So I'll just throw those out there, but I think they're... You know, there's a whole lot more we could say. But I think that's important. And just to understand why God says there's a tree here that actually can cause you harm. Um, because it's to teach us <laughs> that we need boundaries and to teach us that, um, that it's about his grace. Yeah, otherwise we don't have a God that is gracious and loving. Um, so it's important to get that because I ask those questions myself. Let's, let's look at the road to ruin. And uh, let's turn to, um, to Genesis chapter 3, and uh, once, verse 1 to 5, and we'll just, um, just read it. And I should say, this isn't just about Eve. This is about Adam was there with her as well. Um, you know, it, it's not a, a blame thing in that sense. And actually, it's all of us, because these things happen now. This is not a story for decades and centuries and millennia ago. This is a story for now. Because we're there. Yeah? We're right there with the, with the devil right beside us, telling us this is garbage. And, and so don't think of this as some ancient story. This is a real story for here and now. Um, and um, let, let's just read it. It says, in verse 1 of chapter 3 of Genesis, it says... Um, now the snake was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say you must not meet from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the snake, You may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it. No, he didn't. Or you will die. You will not, you, and you will not certainly die. Perhaps it should be, you will certainly not die. But the snake said to the woman, For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And it started with a question and a lie. And the question, and we're going to do freedom in Christ soon. And one of the, you know, one of the questions is, did God really say? That's a perfectly valid question because I think we need to know what God said and what God didn't said, say. Because people quote things that God said to us that he didn't say. But equally, they quote things to us wrong, as Satan did here, that they, that God, the, the, that they say God said. I mean, the classic one is, is you know, love of money, uh, sorry, money is the root of all evil. And love of money is actually the root of all evil, it says. So it's misquoting. And, and, and um, the, the, the snake here, the, which is a representation of Satan, um, it says... Um, you can't eat from any tree in the garden. No, God didn't say you can't eat from any tree. In fact, he said you should eat from all the trees in the garden except this one. 
Um, so we sort of manipulated it, and we, we have it, you know, it comes to us, doesn't it, as, did God really say? And, you know, I'm susceptible to that. Did, did God really say that? And other people say, well, uh, you know, that was, they, they twist the words, or they say it's, it's, that's a stupid thing to say. And, um, and, and they manipulate what God, uh, what they say, what they think God is saying. And, um, and that, uh, and I just want to read a, read a section from the screw tape letters, which I think is up there, Carl, on the, on the screen. Now, the screw tape letters are written from, by C.S. Lewis. It's a book by C.S. Lewis, for those who don't know it. They're written from one, um, one de- senior, devil, senior devil to a junior devil. So this is his training course in how to mess up the human race, how to talk to us, and how to, um, to influence us. And um, I'll just read this passage from the Screwtape Letters. It says, Never forget that when you are dealing with any pleasure in its healthy and normal, satisfying form, we are, in a sense, on the enemy's ground. I know we have won many a soul through pleasure. All the same, it it is his invention, that's God's invention, and not ours. He made the pleasures. All our research so far has not enabled us to produce one. All right? I like that line, that none of the research that Satan has been able to produce one pleasure um, produce one. All we can do is to encourage the humans to take the pleasures which our enemy, that's God, has produced at times or in ways or in degrees which he has forbidden. And that's pretty well what, what Satan's doing here. He's saying, there's a, there's a, you know, there's a pleasure here. Um, why don't you take that one? Yeah? Why don't you do what God has said, don't do that one? You know, there's plenty of others for you to do, but let's, let's you know, take that one. And, um, and really, the, the, uh, you know, the people, uh, Adam, even in this sense, um, fell for it. Yeah. They, 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 he started to drip feed doubt. And doubt is a killer, literally. Doubt is a killer. Because it started to drip feed that doubt. That, did God really say that? Did he, did he mean that? Did he, was it something that he, um, he intended? Um, because the, the, the snake then starts, the devil starts to pour scorn on things and starts to tell lies and say, you know, you, sh- you, you won't die if you do that. And that's a lie that we're, they're all told. You know, we won't die. You won't be affected by that, by that, by that sin. You know, it's, and, and, and it goes from a sort of suggestive thing into... Um, outright lies and, and we as people all people whether you're a Christian or not are susceptible to lies um, that, 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 that Satan is you know that are around us we're, 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 so that's why this is a story for today not for, for years ago and really it's, it's, a, it's a matter of trust isn't it and I challenge you to, to, to say how much do you trust God how much do you trust that what he says is true? And when we do freedom in Christ, we'll be, we'll be examining scriptures to say, how much, how much of this 
is true. What's your view on these words that God said? Are they true? And there's lots of words that God say. We're not taking them out of context, in a way, as, as, as the snake did here. We're to take them in context. But we really need to understand that, that, you know, answer that question affirmatively and say, you know, if it is the word in, in, the, in the scripture, in the Bible, that it, then God really did say that and really does mean that. It's not something that is, that is um, false or put on. It's not a lie. And it really is a question of the trust. And are we going to believe the creature or the creator? Do we believe the creature or the creator? Because the, these people here, they believe the creature and they didn't believe the, the creator. And the challenge for us is to believe the creator and not the creature, not us. Not us. Not my, my particular view on the world isn't always the right, the right view on the world. There's another quote from C.S. Lewis, which I, I really like, which is, but it's probably irrelevant. It says, now, now the trouble about trying to make yourself stupider than you really are is that you very often succeed. <laughs> and we do, don't we? we? We make ourselves, you know, we actually succeed in making ourselves a bit stupider. I remember Andy Phillips, who used to, used to be here, used to say, I think the world is becoming stupider. And I think it's probably right, Yeah. You know, that years ago they had equally bright people around, yeah? And, and in a way we've, we've got a sort of, um, uh, we're against what was thoughts that were in the past and everything's about, about what happens now. And in a way we've lost all that, all that knowledge and, and let it pass. Okay, and let's look at the, uh, so the woman, the woman's, let's look at, at what happens. The, uh, in verses um, 6 to 7. It says, when, when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized they were naked, so they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings themselves. What a pointless exercise that was. Eh? Yeah? Um, you couldn't even wash them. <laughs> you can wash a fig leaf. So, never mind. I've got you thinking now, haven't I? <laughs> I've lost you. You're off. But she said, and there's three things there. It was good for food, and it was pleasing to the eye. So, you know, it's, it's our desires and, and food and just our... It's important for our survival, isn't it? Or it's pleasing to the eye. It looks, it looks beautiful and desirous. Um, and it was also desirable for wisdom, and wisdom is power. And this was a sense of saying... I want power. I want, I want the power that God's got. I want to be God. Because Satan has said, if you do this, you'll be like him or her. You know, you, you'll be like God. And, and the, the, he wants the, you know, the people, and we do, we want that. I want to be in control of my life, don't we? And, uh, and that's what was happening. And it was a question of trust. A question of trust. And the result was chaos. And I've got, a, I, rather than go into detail on this, and I'll, I'll hand this out later if people want it, I've done a table that says, this is what it was like before this event happened. And there's a table up there, I think. That's, and it's just a few snippets of some of the things that happened. It, it, initially, it was 
that it was your will, your will be done. And it became my will be done. It was, um, there was openness and responsibility and, the, and it led to shame and guilt. They hid, they hid from God, they hid from each other, they hid themselves from each other. There's security and safety and they end up in fear and hiding. Um, there was fellowship and they ended up in, in estrangement and, and separation and banishment, in fact. Blessing became a curse. Um, pleasure, work became ranged from a pleasure and a, a real job for, for God to being something that was a toil. The, the garden became weeds in a desert. Um, the, uh, where the complementarity between the sexes became um, a, a subordination, um, which is apparent in, in lots of areas. That's why we must fight it. Um, the, the harmony in relationships, they started to blame each other and find excuses. Do we do that? Does anyone do that? Do you, do you? Jan and I quite often blame, I'm sure it's always her fault, it's, it's absolutely, she's not here today to, to counter it, so um, it's, it, it, is, it is her fault, definitely, alright, you can tell her that, no, 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 don't, don't, please don't tell her that, <laughs> I'm into trouble now, okay, yeah. but life became death, you know, the thing happened that God said. You know, you, you will die, um, and we do. And that was the final lie of Satan, really, that you won't die. Yeah. Um, but, there's, but there's seeds of hope here. There's seeds of hope. And I, and I just want to focus on, on this is the way back. Yeah? So it's there and back again. Because, because there are signs of, of hope in this. And um, hope of redemption and, and, and restoration. And... Um, there are passages in um, Genesis 3. If you go, just look at Genesis 3, verse 8 to 10. Um, it says uh, that the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? Where are you? And I should say that wasn't a pleading with man to, to say, Where are you? That was a sort of... Uh, you know, a, a, a cry of love, actually, to say, where are you? And I think God's still crying out that and saying, where are you? And there's, Jesus told the parable of the lost sheep, didn't he? He'll go off and find the, the one of the 99 and bring them back. And he, he wants to, to bring them back. So this is, the, this is a cry to say, what have you done? What have you done? And, and, and really in it, there's the, there's the love and there's the desire to actually do something to change that and bring it back and change that situation. And um, and the other thing that was there is in verse um, uh, 15 where he says to the snake, God says to the snake, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers, and he will crush your head and you will strike his heel. And the striking thing about that is that that was a word said that he would become the woman's offspring. And quite often, no normally, it would be, the, the, and the old, the old um, AV word, I think is seed of the man. It's normally the seed of the man, isn't it? Then they, the offspring are all measured through the male line. And this is measured through the woman's, woman's line. And there's a, there's a sort of inkling towards a, a virgin birth, you know? And, and, a, and through a woman who 
would give birth to a son, to a, to a man, who would actually destroy the work that, that the snake had started and put that into reverse. And um, there's three, three areas where I just want to point to this man who was the, 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 came, uh, you know, the, the um, offspring of a woman. And that's Jesus in the New Testament. And there's three areas where I just want to show that he's reversing this tendency. He's reversing all those things that happened. So the first one is, is in Matthew, where, uh, um, which I, I, don't think I've got, I don't think I've got the verses up here, Cole. The, uh, where, where Jesus is in the desert and he's tempted. And he's tempted three times. And those three times are, um, he's, he's encouraged to, to look for food. He said, make these stones into bread. He's um, encouraged to, to seek wisdom and power. He's encouraged to, um, to look at the beautiful splendor around him, to look at those things. And what he did was to say no was to confirm the words of God. And, I, and I've not got them all up there because it's quite a long passage. But he, com, he sort of, in a way, reversed that, that thing that happened um, to Eve. Those, those desires there were the ones he faced in the wilderness. So we've come from a garden into a wilderness. And in that wilderness, he defeated the, the, the enemy and, he, and Satan left him and it said it left him for a season but he defeated the enemy in that, in that desert place by answering those three questions again but answering them in, a, in an affirmative way with it is written and it is written not as you intended it but it's written as God intended it so that was the first sort of battle that was won it wasn't a total victory it was the battle the second battle that was won was in another garden. So where you know, Adam and Eve lost it in a garden and were evicted from a garden, in another garden, Jesus said in... Um, uh, I don't know, have I got this slide up? Have I? Yeah. Um, the, the, in that garden of Gethsemane, Jesus said, not your will, it's not my will be done, he said, your will be done. Whereas Adam and Eve had said, my will, I want my will to be done. But, but in that garden, that other garden, Jesus said, you know, I'd like this taken away, but it's your will to be done. And he defeated again and countered that argument that Satan had put up in the, in the Garden of Eden. The, the, third, the third area is on that cross. And um, is on the cross where which is another tree. And it's another tree where good experienced evil, where the full knowledge of good experienced the full knowledge of evil. And it's another tree of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And it's a representation of that. So we're seeing signs even at the beginning of that need for another tree where good and evil met and where this time evil defeated the good. Sorry, I'll say it again. Where good defeated the evil. I got it right, haven't I? Yeah? But in Jesus, the victory was won at that tree. 
at that tree where good and evil met. All right? So those pictures are representations of Jesus in the New Testament. Those are the, those are the pictures and where he reversed that, that tendency. And I've done another chart, um, which again, you can have later, um, where, it, where really the, the, the woman's offspring, the great reversal takes place. So where those things are, that I mentioned earlier on are there, there's a whole range of, of scriptures, and you can look those up. I won't. Um, I can make this available online if you want it, and to groups, um, where you can look those up and see he, he reversed that from, you know, from my will to your will, from, from um, con- shame and guilt to no condemnation, to um, fear and hiding, to no fear, no fear in love in 1 John. Um, and, and we are a chosen people and a special people and people of God. We're not estranged. Um, there's the, the blessing and the cur- sorry, the cursing has become a blessing. There'll be no more bless, no more cursing. Um, there's um, work becomes with all your heart, something that you do with all your heart because it's for God. Um, there's abundant fruit from from what we do. There's um, uh, from complementarity to subordination to back to we're all one in Christ. Okay, and there's holiness and blamelessness. And in Jesus we have life. So, uh, I'm, I've put those down because uh, each one of those is a sermon in its own right. But you know, he, he, that great reversal happened. That great reversal happened because he defeated Satan in the, in, in the desert, in the garden, on the tree. Okay. And we see in Revelation there's, um, you know, the... the, the, the the summation of it all and uh, I think there's a verse from Revelation there just 22 Um, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea no longer any chaos I saw the holy city the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband and I heard a loud voice from the throne saying a loud voice look God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. This will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There'll be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. Amen. Okay? So that's, you know, we're going, this is the biblical story. Yeah? This is the, the story that's, that, we're, that we're part of that goes through. And I've got, three, um, I've got three things, really, that I just want to focus on. Um, just Because what does this mean for us? You know, what's, what does this mean for us? Uh, the first one is, I think we need to respect boundaries. I think we need to impose boundaries on what other people do to impact us. What other people do to, um, uh, to, to knock us off course? We need to impose those boundaries of geography sometimes. We need to separate ourselves from things sometimes um, for, for good. We need to separate those boundaries of thinking that my rights are, you know, I have a right to think these things. I have a right to think that God is good and God is gracious and I have a right to share that with people that he is good and he is gracious and he is love. And, um, 
you know, my thoughts, my, my view is, is important. And, and then the, um, uh, the idea, so it's the, the idea of emotions, and it's the idea of our thinking, and it's the idea of geography. And I just think there's some people here who just need to put some boundaries in place to enable them to, to live with the peace that God wants us to live with. Okay, in, that, in those, one, of, one of those three areas. Uh, the other one is to know what God really says. And um, we're going to do Freedom in Christ course, and that will help us to, to, to get to know what God is really saying. But I think there's three main disciplines, aren't there? There's three main basics that we do as Christians. One is to, to pray. One is to worship. And one is to, to just understand his word and what he says through his word. And those, those three are still foundational. They're still fundamental to our well-being. Because we need to know if, if somebody's saying God said falsely or if they're saying it truthfully. Because it might be legitimate that God didn't say that. Yeah, but when, the, when Satan comes to us and says, did God really say? And no, he didn't say that. And I find, you know, lots of, lots of religious people, to be honest, will start to argue with you about nuances of scripture and nuances of, of and they'll make you doubt. They'll make you, because they've taken one bit and they've focused on it and they've made you think about it without seeing the whole context. And it is just so important, so important that we are eaters of meat. It's so important that each of you is, is an eater of meat. And by that, I mean, I've got a granddaughter now who's four months, five months, I don't know, whatever. It's a few months old. <laughs> few months old. But she just started on solid food. Yeah? Well, it didn't look very solid to me, actually. But, 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 you know, but eventually she'll start to eat you know, more and more. And we need to be consumers of, of meat. I know it's not very PC, you know, but... I'm not, you know, any vegans here, sorry. But, but we need to be eating, you know, we need to be eaters of meat. And that meat is the word of God. And we need to be consumers of that in our own right. Yeah? You're, you're feeding a bit off me today. Yeah? But I want you to just feed off yourself. And f because that word speaks to you. My experience, when I first became a Christian, two things happened to me. One was I stopped swearing, day one. And the other one was I just consumed the Bible. And the reason I love the Bible is just it, it, it blew my mind. It, it just blew away all my preconceptions. It was like a wind blowing through me. And it just changed my whole attitude to pretty well everything. It was, it was you know, amazing. And I still love it. I, you know, it... it, it teaches me every day something and I just want you to be eaters of meat all right carnivores all right with apologies to vegans you can always eat squash or something oh sorry oh yeah no sorry I do like squash um the, the, the final thing, I think, that we need to do is to know who we are in Christ. Is to know that victory that he won. And, and so often we are dominated by the, 
I was going to say victory, but it's not. The loss that Satan did, that Satan created at the early, early phase. Yeah? We are dominated by our past. We are not dominated by our future. And our future and our present, actually, is that we are one with Christ. That we have taken on board the victory that he has won. And we absolutely need to stand in that, not the, not the, the defeat that was suffered back then, yeah? and the defeat that we continually suffer through Satan telling us God didn't really say that. And I just want us to, to, to stand in that victory that Jesus Christ has won, all right? in the desert, in the garden, on the cross, and when he rose again. And he's alive today. And he can, you know, help us to win that victory. So we're not dominated by what went on in the past. We're dominated by what goes on in the now and in the future. And the victory that was won 2,000 years ago. So can you do those things? All right? Boundaries, um, who we are in Christ, and read your Bible. Okay? Okay. Amen. Amen.